mindfulness mode 344. They can't move, they can't let anything go, they can't run around and it literally just boils up, you know. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode, where you can reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. I'm Bruce. I'm Bruce Langford, your host and Mindfulness Mode creator. Great to have you with us. If this is your first time, welcome. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you decide to subscribe because that always helps the show. So, yes. Last time, we had a wonderful guest named Jacqueline Pertle, and she's all about happiness. And her book is called 365 Days of Happiness. And once you read the book, you realize it isn't just about happiness. It's about contentment. It's about joy. It's about all of those emotions and feelings that we would really enjoy having in our life. And of course, we have fear, we have anger, we have frustration. But overall, if we focus on some levels of happiness and joy. Well, she'll explain it. If you go back and listen to that episode, I think you'll be glad you did. It's 343. So you can always type in mindfulnessmode.com slash 343 or any episode number, and it'll come right up on your computer or your device. And of course, whatever device you're listening on, I hope you're enjoying the show. Are you one of those people that has trouble sleeping? has a lot of trouble falling asleep and then maybe staying asleep well i have something for you today because you do deserve to be able to fall asleep easily with no stress to be able to sleep deeply and if you do wake up you deserve to be able to fall asleep again and that's why i recorded a guided meditation to help you sleep naturally to fall asleep easily without any kinds of sleep medications or anything. and uh, So how it works is you just put the guided meditation on, listen to my voice, and I talk about sleep and sleeping naturally and how you can drift off to sleep easily and rest comfortably. Well, you can get your own copy of this guided meditation by going to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash sleep. And I need you to put in your name and email address, and then I can get that right to you, into your inbox. So check that out. Today, we are with someone that I really identify with. It's Andy, Andy Hobson. And Andy has been a teacher and does teach mindfulness right now, but he was a rock star musician and did a lot of tours and very successful musician. Now he works with children a lot, teaching them mindfulness. You can find Andy at mindfulnessforall.com. Check that out. So Andy does many of the same things I do. He works with children, he teaches mindfulness, and of course I work with adults as well and, and with companies and corporations and teach how mindfulness can help you increase your bottom line. But Andy is a great guest. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax, and just enjoy Andy Hobson. Mindful Tribe. Today we've got a very interesting guest and his name is Andy Hobson. Hey Andy, are you in mindfulness mode today? I certainly am, Bruce. <laughs> That's great. I just want to share a bit about you, Andy. Andy Hobson combines mindfulness and music to make mindfulness accessible to everybody. He's been meditating for over 17 years and has been teaching mindfulness to groups and individuals for nine years. 
Before becoming a mindfulness teacher, Andy worked as a professional drummer, and he's toured the world playing in a number of successful bands. It was during this time that he began to study Buddhism and explored a more spiritual path. Andy now brings his two main passions, mindfulness teaching and music, together with his guided meditations. So, Andy, it's so much fun to have you on the show. What does <laughs> mindfulness mean to you, Andy? Well, uh, mindfulness for me is really just about it's about waking up, really. It's about waking up from our lives, from our constant stream of thinking. And uh, for me, a big part of it is surrendering to all this stuff we have in our lives as well. Um, you know, we grow up, we, we start off as children, all very interested in the world and excited and everything's new. And then we get to become adults and then, you know, we have a future and a past and we start to look at that a bit more and things just get clouded in our lives and we all, we all trip up and then we all kind of turn around and question what it's all about. So um, the more we can go, okay, this is fine. It's, you know, this is what the universe has given me. The, the more we're kind of in line with our life and uh, the better it is, I guess. Well, Andy, looking back, does it feel like you had a super successful life and exciting when you were, when you were doing the live music? Definitely. Yeah, it did. Uh, my dream was to be a session musician or a drummer in a band. Uh, that was a real dream. I grew up listening to music and it was, it was my entire life. And uh, I did, everything I did was for that that dream. You know, I went to a drum school, I got out loans, I did all this stuff. And I was one of the very, the very lucky ones who actually got in a signed band with a major label. Uh, and I had the whole the whole dream treatment, you know, tour world tours, playing stadiums, everything. Um, but during this time, I think a few months in after the initial kind of big buzz, uh, I just felt like something was missing. You know, I was sitting on tour buses thinking I should be loving this. Uh, you know, playing the gigs was great, but um, no one ever came off stage and went, oh, that was just amazing. This is a dream. And I just started to question things. And um, I, I sat for many evenings with me and the bass player were kind of into our philosophy. So we used to sit and either watch Blue Planet, which is the David Attenborough <laughs> nature, nature program, or we talk about philosophy. And, um, and Buddhism came up uh, along the way. Uh, I don't know where, where it came up, but um, I, I always jump into things kind of full feet first and just go, right, Buddhism's great. Uh, so I went to a Buddhist center in uh, the north of England and I stayed there for a few nights and uh, just on my own, which is kind of a strange thing to do. Um, but it started to answer a few of the questions I had just about our life and how we grapple with it. Um, so it was a successful time, but it was also, it was successful and it kind of woke me up a little bit. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the gig didn't last that long as the music industry goes. And then I, um, I kind of carried on dipping my toes in, in the water with that. Um, and, and here I am. <laughs> and that's the end of the story. <laughs> and did you ever think, geez, I'd like to get back to that life of playing drums and doing the live tours and everything? Um, well, I've always, I always love playing drums. I have a drum kit here. It's kind of got smaller and quieter as I've had a family and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd always, I always love playing and I always love that part of it, but it's the other side of it all. Um, and I think, yeah, I did, it, in itself, there's nothing wrong with the music industry or, or playing drums or music. It's it's how we, we live in that world, I guess. So mm -hmm. I think if I was go, to go back to it, I think I'd probably experience it quite differently. And I'd probably take myself a little less serious and uh, definitely less ego there as well. So then you started teaching mindfulness and meditation. And uh, so tell us about that path and how you transitioned into it. Well, um, so I left my band after a couple of years and then I really struggled because um, I you know, had to go back to a regular job, which was at the time it was a call center for a baby care 
kind of company <laughs> selling push chairs and stuff uh and then i just proceeded to kind of punish myself by going from job to job to job um w- working in the charity sector w- which was really rewarding but you know you you end up doing lots of the admin roles and data entry and stuff uh and so i punished myself for a little bit longer i thought you know that's i haven't had enough suffering just yet i think i need to keep going and then um i continued to kind of look at meditation and try it a little bit but it was this kind of mindfulness which is now a huge thing isn't it it's, it's yeah growing, but it was the first time it was one of john kabat-zinn's uh books i read it's the first time i actually saw a way of doing it that kind of fitted with a, a bit of a structure and it kind of it explained things in a way i'd not had it explained to me before um i mean i did a buddhist course for a year um on a tour bus via cassette tapes uh, which was really great it's really deep but um it didn't quite say this is what you need to do. This is how you do it. Here's what your thoughts are doing. Um, so it really clicked. Um, so I did a, um, a mindfulness-based stress reduction course um, with a teacher. And then from there, I just thought, wow, this is absolutely, this is so potent, so powerful and so personal. And it really can apply to anyone. You know, I thought friends of mine who would never meditate or do anything, you know, I just thought you know, they might be interested in it too. So I kind of thought about teaching and I just started trying out a little bit and doing some free courses with people. Um, and then I did some training because I just thought oh, I need to kind of work out what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's very cool. So then did you become an entrepreneur or do you work for another company? How did that work? So, um, well, I, I started teaching courses. I worked in a school at the same time. So I, I managed a therapy service for a charity. Okay. Um, basically, I was based in a primary school, so the age kind of five to 11 year olds. Uh-huh. Uh, so I basically managed an amazing therapy service with we had, um, 10 therapists, which is kind of sad you know, for a you know, standard school. Um, and I also saw kids one to one and did mentoring and taught some mindfulness as well. So that was my day job. But my day job was so incredibly, I mean, as a teacher, you'd know, it's exhausting. Um, yeah. So the mindfulness thing was just on the side and I did some things in the evenings and I just I thought, well, this is a, a nice thing to do. I, you know, I can't really make loads of money out of this. Um, it's recently I actually left my job for um, a piece of work I was, I was working on, maybe slightly prematurely, to be honest, but um, you have to take a leap. <laughs> my wife's kind of going, oh, where's your money coming from now? But um, you have to, you know, um, I always think you have to kind of go with something and, and this is my passion now. And, uh, and do you know what? I'll, I'll get a job. If I have to get a job again, it's fine. I'd love You'll to just work do in that. schools. Um, so I'm still, I'm building some work in schools at the moment and I'm working a lot with staff and teachers um, on well-being. I'm trying to, um, put in place a whole school approach to mindfulness that's not too complicated, not too complex, because a lot of, co- I mean, UK is great for courses now for teaching mindfulness in schools, but they're very, they're very curriculum based and they can be quite hard to chew through and they, they take a lot of commitment from the schools and quite expensive, some of them. And I just wanted to create something that was really accessible um, especially with schools budgets being slashed all over the place. I don't know if it's the same in the U S um, so that's what I'm working on at the moment. So I've done a few inset days with schools and uh, I'm starting to teach teachers to try and you know, integrate mindfulness, but just in a very, uh, in a kind of a lightish, lightish way. And how's that going? Do you find that they're receptive to that and that they're able to implement it in their lives? Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, so the teachers there, I mean, stress is a huge thing. So as soon as you talk about stress and and alleviating it, it just gets a conversation going. And then we talk about, um, the bit, I start off doing the bit for them and then we, then we drop in, Oh, it's going to help the kids too. 
And of what I found is um, teachers notice more their reactions towards children and the fact they prejudge children a lot. Um, so if you've got a child that walks in the class and you know they're going to throw their coat on the floor and they almost expect it and that behaviour then happens. So uh, I've done a lot of work on that and how to respond to children, how to how that they mirror, <coughs> how they they can mirror a child and what they're doing. They they can you know they can bounce off each other so you get locked in a pattern. Um, so it's working. It's kind of it's early days. Um, I'm just beginning to implement um, some mindfulness for the for the children. So integrating it into first thing in the morning when the kids come in and it's all a bit crazy, and then after lunch, which is a good time, and then um, ones for individual children. So that you know, in every class, there's children that have a little bit more need and uh, maybe attention difficulty. So um, some little meditations so they can sit in the side of the class and something just for them. It's a little audio for five minutes. Go, oh, you're really, really, you know, busy today. I see, you know, this is going on. Ah, you know, a little kind of just almost so it feels like between them and, and the audio between me, it's like a little secret. Oh, you've, you're in trouble again. Oh, no, what's happened? <laughs> uh, so that's, that's what I'm going to go for next. So that's quite exciting. And so what's the response like from the kids? Do they do they push back? Do they kind of just go with the flow? What's it like? Um, I think the, the, the sessions I've taught, they, they really enjoy it because it's not it's not maths or it's not English. So you come in and, you know, you kind of, right. you, you do, a, I do a game where they I hit a little bell and they have to put their hand up when they can't hear it anymore. It becomes a bit of a competition on who's got the best hearing. Uh, but I have found... Um, a lot of the children, I mean, a lot of the work I did was more one-to-one. So it's working through a little course I created um, specifically for something like moving house, uh, change, um, actually bullying as well, how to work with bullying. So, um, and that involved lots of working with imagery and drawing things and drawing how you feel and externalizing what they were feeling. And that was really, I found that really powerful actually, especially working with children who were bullied um, they had a kind of a voice through, through working with the arts, but also being able to use mindfulness to recognize what's going on, but then make sense of it by drawing it, which is something else I'm really, really kind of passionate about as well. Yeah, that's excellent. And here in Canada, I know one of the big problems sometimes is that kids close up when they're bullied and they don't tell anybody. They don't tell their parents because they feel a level of shame. Do you find that happens as well with, with the students you're working with? Yeah, massively. You know, a lot of the time, sometimes, I mean, our, the school I was working with like, full time was really, really good at bullying and the staff were very, uh, you know, aware of it. However, sometimes, you know, quite often, because I was the I was the drop in guy, uh, you know, I'd be the first person they tell about it. Uh, and it's just it makes you feel so sad when they tell you something for the first time. And it sounds so awful as well, the, yeah. the way that they've been impacted by it. Um, and that sense of shame is definitely there. And um, that's actually, that's one thing that comes up. But often I I don't lead the session, but sometimes I have to kind of name it a little bit because they're almost ashamed to be ashamed, <laughs> which is yeah. kind of a strange thing. But um, then you work with that and, and it kind of becomes empowering and they and through um, recognize it, recognizing it and realizing it, there's the shame, then there's them. And, you know, it's not their fault. Um, and kind of connecting with it and getting a little distance they kind of uh, they kind of children are amazing you know what you think they teach me more than I teach them quite often you know you think they're yes. going to get this and then they say something completely prof- profound you know they talk about uh, the personas they put on and things like that and they can draw you know they draw a picture without even talking about it and it's like a mask and you're like, oh, it's a mask that's interesting you've talked about your persona and, uh, but they you know these are kind of five, six-year-olds that kind of come up with this stuff. It's just amazing. 
It is amazing. I totally agree. I love working with kids, teaching them mindfulness and and teaching them, you know, anti-bullying strategies and all that kind of thing. And so what about you, Andy? Do you have a bullying story? Were you ever bullied or were you ever the bully? Oh, good good question. Yeah, I was bullied, definitely. Um, a lot of, I think it's, it's a lot of kids are, I mean, I wasn't bullied for a long time or yeah. Uh, anything really, really bad, but it was enough. I still remember it. You know, I was in secondary school and I was, I was quite a small kid and, you know, I wasn't great at sports and things like that. And it's just, you know, a little group of lads used to pick on me, nothing huge, but you know, when I think back at it, it was, it had an impact. Um, um, but there was nothing really around in, in that time. There was no kind of, there's no one you could, you could talk to. So you kind of swallow it and then deal with it later on. And you go, ah, oh, you know, and, uh, it's interesting. It's still, you know, it pops into your head sometime. You go, that's if that's that amount of bullying has had a an impact. Then you know, for children, have really, really been bullied, and you know, really serious stuff these days, especially with the technology um, that we have. Um, you know, it's it's, it's massive, really yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, it is. And what about in your adult life as a musician and then later a meditation teacher? Did you ever have anybody that was just such a huge challenge to deal with and they ended up kind of taking the role of a bully? Uh, I definitely, I, I have to say a lot of the jobs I used to do, I did a lot of temp jobs. Um, and when you're a temp, you're kind of the bottom of the ladder, you know, yes. and, um, and people are a little bit bitter as well because they kind of know you're moving on to something else probably. Although you know you're doing the worst job in the place, basically, yeah. and I, I got a bit of bullying from people from there. You know, do this, do that, um, and if you're somewhere for a few months as well, you know, it does have an impact on you. Um, but I think that at that time I was, I was more of aware of it, and I used to name stuff, and it usually used to, you know, I I just say, oh, you're really annoyed today, aren't you, or something like that to them, or just ne- I just pick up on it and say, right, I'm going to let them know that this is not okay, but by just acknowledging what they're doing rather than saying, hey, don't talk to me like that. Uh, and that kind of worked. And um, it definitely works with, with children as well, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I did a temp job as well just before my teaching job started. So I was hired and then I had a couple of months. And so I did the temp job and uh, the office dynamics were just unbelievable. You know, like there was so much jealousy and there was so much backstabbing. I couldn't believe it. It was completely foreign to me because I hadn't done jobs like that. Before. <laughs> <laughs> it's another world, isn't it? It is office another jealousy. world. You know, everyone's sat here on decks. They can't move. They can't let anything go. They can't run around. And it literally just boils up, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, mindfulness of being in companies is really important, I think. It's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it can make a world of difference for sure. Yeah, so you do a lot of guided meditations. You create a lot of meditations and make them available to people. Isn't that right? I do, yes. Um, so I'm on... a kind of an app which kind of got me quite a bit of popularity is insight timer it's a really brilliant app lovely people behind it really really genuine um there's the the industry of mindfulness is so huge now and you know there's lots and lots of apps out there and lots of choice but um i've really connected with um with this app um so i created some um when the app looked like it had been made in 1991 which was about seven years ago before it was yeah. taken over the guy that started it was he did an amazing job and there's a real community there already um so so the the guys that took it over um christopher and, and maddie they really kept true to the actual ethos the community and not charging for meditations so i put a few meditations on there that from my courses you know just the standard ones i usually do 
uh, and they got they kind of got some interest and they got quite popular. Um, but I'll be really honest, I was actually I wanted people to buy them for my website. So um, I thought, oh, people aren't really generally keen on music and meditation. It's quite a personal thing. So I'll write a bit of music to go under it, and then they'll buy the meditation that's not got music on it for my website. They'll be going, oh, that's good meditation, but I'd like the the one without music. But people really enjoyed the music as well, so they kind of kind of kept that. So I thought, okay. They want some more music, and uh, I, I love making the music kind of almost more than the meditation sometimes. Right. Um, so I spent hours and hours. I mean, it takes me months sometimes to 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 create the music, but um, I kind of got a bit a bit cheesed off of some of the stock music you can get in some meditations. Oh, ouch! Uh, and I just thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have something that's really kind of really nicely composed? And um, I mean, now actually, there's a lot more. There's, a, you know, there's some fantastic artists on on Insight Timer as well, but um. So yeah, and I gained some popularity there, and, and I've just kind of—it's all inspired by myself, my own my own problems. I kind of make a create a meditation about it. It's like, you know, I can't accept this, or um, you know, compassion and things like that. I, just, I need to work on that. I want to create something that maybe I would connect with, and then and then I create a meditation from it. Yeah, I love Insight Timer too. I've got guided meditations on there as well, and uh, yeah, I I think it's a it's a great platform. And, and I use it as well when I meditate, sometimes just for, for the ending bell, you know, so I use it as a timer sometimes because I like to meditate silently. So for you personally, what's your meditation like? Do you meditate silently yourself? I do, yes. So um, my meditation practice has changed a little bit now. I've got, I've got a 14-month-year-old boy. And uh, so my 40-minute stints have now gone by the wayside. Uh-huh. Um, so I, what I do... Um, my, my routine really is um, the little one wakes up at 5.30, not ideal. Uh, and then I go off and I meditate for 20 minutes and just silent meditation most of the time. Just to, you know, I, I, sometimes when I'm, uh, something's going on, I've lost my way a little bit. I'll listen to a guidance and I'll choose someone, but generally silent just to kind of sit with it. And then I really, now I have less time to sit and meditate. I really try and integrate mindfulness into my day. Um, I, especially before I start working, because I, I work at home now and just, sit and notice how I'm starting the day, you know, oh, am I coming here pos- in a positive way or am I going, I'm really tired, got this to do, where do I start, you know, that kind of thing, what do I start with today? Um, and then I try and do something in the afternoon as well, like just to ju- just to break up the day, just five minutes, just to check in or just sit on the grass, and got a little garden outside. Um, I'm not perfect, I don't do it every day. <laughs> this is the ideal perfect day. Yeah. Uh, and then in the evening, I just try and have a little bit of downtime after the little one's gone down. Um, but my informal one actually I really enjoy is I, I push the pram around the park, we've got a park behind the house. And uh, I just, that's a brilliant one. I've really gotten to hold, noticing the, the handles of the pram and my feet on the ground and that's it. And I'm like, all you're gonna do now is just focus on these two things. And every time I wander, my my mind wanders, I just come back to it. And it sounds really boring, which a lot of people kind of say sometimes about meditation. You just focus on your feet or your hands on the prime. But where's the where's the excitement? You know, all this stuff. But um, it kind of it can open some doors actually when you really when you really intentionally intention's a big thing at the moment. Um, that's my thing at the moment. I'm really thinking about intention and mm-hmm. the fact we have a little bit of choice actually in following our thoughts. And sometimes we choose to go with it. Um, and yeah, that's something I'm kind of playing with at the moment. Well, for me, I think the excitement is in the feeling that you get after you've done it for a period of time, you know, you've done it for a few weeks and you start to feel this level of contentment 
and happiness. And then you're thinking back and you think, wow, I've got a level of contentment I didn't used to have. And so for me, that's part of the enjoyment. You know, that's part of the excitement. It is. It's kind of a little kind of buzz as well when you first notice it, especially those, those moments when you really consciously go, I'm not going to follow my thoughts today. I'm just, and, and you suddenly, you come across this kind of strange space where you're just existing and you're just there and things are happening and they might be good and they might not, not be good, but they're just there. And I think the more you meditate, the more you kind of build it into your day, the more of those moments you have and the more of that time. Um, and of course, you know, there are days you kind of lose it and you have an awful day. And you know, as a meditation teacher, I'm always thinking, I should always you know, seem like I'm always got it together, you know. But the truth is, you know, I have to ask my wife, honestly. Um, so those days don't always happen. But, um, the, you know, the, the more you definitely, the more you practice, the benefits are always there. And it just gives you that, that kind of carefree feeling. And that, and also that, that outwards looking, you look towards other people. And the more I offer to other people, the more I care about other people, the less there's me, 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 me. Uh, and the better you feel as well. So it's kind of a win-win. I'm so glad you said that, Andy, because yeah, I'm the same way. Like every once in a while, you know, if I feel some anxiety or something, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm not supposed to feel this, you know, and I'm going, no, no, I'm human. And I remember on one of my episodes, I, I mentioned, you know, hey, today I'm feeling this level of anxiety and, and so on. And then I thought, Ooh, you know, but, uh, you know, it's, it's all about being real and being authentic and, and just saying it the way it is. And the way it is, is that we're human and we will feel levels of anxiety once in a while, even though meditation and mindfulness can make a huge difference in your life. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's lots of claims about mindfulness as well. And I, th I feel, I really want people, people see, uh, you know, websites and these beautiful, sunsets and things like that and it draws people in it's lovely but i think people start meditating and expect this kind of sudden oh life's okay you know yes. and i really i really want people to start meditating but i also i don't want people to people feel they're doing it wrong if they don't get relaxed and they go back to work and they have a stressful day and they think what's what's happening and it's a it's a gradual thing um and i think because you know mindfulness is a product now it's being sold and things and it is being sold as a oh you know this is this is the way this is, you know, and it is, it is amazing. It's powerful. And I just, I'd hate to think people will be put off by not getting those immediate kind of ah, floating, yeah, exactly. floating into your office and, you know, giving you a <laughs> kiss as you walk in. <laughs> well, you've released two successful albums with music and meditation, haven't you? And I think one is called revive and awaken and the other one is everyday meditations. Tell us about that and where they're available and, and what it was like creating them. Um, so Revive and Awaken was my kind of first album and it was done really, it was, it was quite a special album because it was one I, some of the tracks I put on Insight Timer and they were all, they were all done. Um, <laughs> I basically used um, some drum cymbals, some cymbals and some stands and set up a little a duvet. And I just, I started off by just kneeling down and recording with a mic. That's the best thing I had. And I just remember recording those and I didn't think about writing scripts. So I just wrote uh, something about acceptance and then a couple of things I'd say. And then they, so they're really organic and they were really uh, heartfelt about what, how I was feeling at the time as well. So they were, um, they kind of, they were quite long as well, actually. They're like some of the 45 minutes. Which is, oh, are they? So like, yeah. One's, one, there's one that's working with pain and it's, and it's really, um, it's something I really wanted to do and it's 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 a long meditation but a lot of people have kind of give me really good feedback about that one so that one's just about kind of coming back to yourself and awakening 
dealing with the everyday issues we have, the real strong push on accepting and letting go. Um, and then there's also um, one, the universal compassion, which is the one of, I wanted to make something that people, I think the, the kind of loving kindness, the kind of Buddhist word puts people off a little bit. And I wanted it, and I thought, well, the music's going to help a little bit anyway. Yeah. Uh, but just to make something that's really accessible and, you know, just wording it in a way that's really, um, people kind of hear it and go, okay, I can, I can do that to an extent. Um, and then everyday meditations just came out of having less time myself. And I just thought, everyone talks about, you know, weaving everything into their day and mindful eating, you know. And I thought, well, how do we actually, you know, can I create something that will actually help people to do that? Because I talk about it all the time and then people come back, oh, I forgot. So I've created uh, the album to be from the moment you, you wake up to the time you go to bed. So there's a, a morning meditation for five minutes, then a little walking one. So you walk to work mindfully. Then there's one for commuting, which I designed specifically for my commute, sitting on a train, mm-hmm. uh, on a packed train where you don't get a seat. Uh, and then a lunchtime one just for five minutes, just to le- kind of reset yourself a little bit. And then there's one when you get home, which is my favorite one, because I got to play guitar in it. I dropped some guitar in there. Um, and, and then the, there's a nighttime and evening one. Um, so it's just, it's just something you, and people can kind of pick and choose, like one or two to, to build into their day. Um, I was really happy with that album. <laughs> and where are, where are these available? How would you get a hold of them? Oh, yeah. Um, so they're all on my website. So uh, mindfulnessforall.com. Uh, I have a little store there. And they're on iTunes and Amazon as well. So you can, they're kind of readily available. Um, and there's quite a few tracks on Insight Timer if you want to have a little listen to, to any of them. So on iTunes, would we just type in your name, Andy, Andy Hobson? Yep, type in Andy Hobson and hopefully up I come. Yeah. Okay. All right. And on your website, of course, is uh, is another place. And you said it's mindfulnessforall.com, yeah. correct? Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, great. And uh, as we move toward the end of the interview, Andy, I want to ask you some quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this. Who's one person who's influenced mindfulness in your life? Oh, I've got to say John Kabat-Zinn, you okay. know. Amazing guy, really. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Andy? Uh, Less up and down, more level, more like this rather than like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more even. That's great. Way more even, yeah. Yeah. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. It's a huge part of my uh, mindfulness practice. It's everything. It's something I turn to during the day. Um, something I use a lot during my meditation, but it is my kind of home place to go to. If I'm having a difficult conversation with someone or anything, I go to my breath. I'm still listening to them, but I'm going, going to pause my breathing. Yeah, yeah. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Oh, ah, do you know what? Um, as I've said, John Kabat-Zinn, he's got a great book. It's quite an old, old one. I think he's released in 1991. And it's called uh, Meditations in Everyday Life. Oh, yeah. um, and it's just one you can just flick open and you can just read a chapter. You don't have to read it from cover to cover. But it's just got lovely little stories and little things you can try to integrate mindfulness. And I just I remember reading it on a retreat and it just connected to me like little ideas like get up half an hour earlier, you know, experience the morning. Um just ways to kind of connect with your breathing. And it's, it's got his kind of older stuff. It's got talk, talks about the mountain meditation and um, it's just an easy book to read. 
and the, the writing's really like this big spacing so mm-hmm. you can you feel like you've not got too much to chew over <laughs> yes yeah john cabot's in is fantastic he really is and the last question i always ask at this time is about an app and we've talked about insight timer quite a bit so mindful tribe that's i n s i g h t insight timer you can you can search that up on whatever device you use are there any other apps you'd like to mention besides that andy oh whatever apps so insight time is my kind of real yeah little passion there but um sure. i think uh, another one that's doing some good stuff uh is is calm i think that they've got some good some good meditators on them as well but there's there's a lot of apps out there now really there really are i'm kind of overwhelmed by how many there are um, absolutely yeah there are hundreds in, now inside time just offers that you know it, the fact it's kind of free it's accessible uh, and then they've got they've just launched courses on there now as well so you can actually do a mindfulness course uh, with one of the teachers and it's amazing because you can actually do audio replies so you do a course and then you can reply in with your voice which is great that is great yeah that's fantastic and it's also been great talking with you andy and learning about you and how you do your teaching and your life as a musician it's been fantastic so mindful tribe you know check out uh check out the website and the website is mindfulnessforall.com that's pretty easy mindfulnessforall.com can we find you on social media andy Yes, I'm on Twitter as well, um, and I'm trying to set up. A, I've been avoiding Facebook, but I know I need to do it, so I'm going to set up a Facebook page as well. So I'm on those. Um, yeah, Twitter's the best one, I think. Is it? Okay, and is that under your name, or is it under Mindfulness for All? Oh, right, so I couldn't get Mindfulness for All, so it's uh, the number four and then all mindfulness, so for all mindfulness. Oh, okay, for yeah. all mindfulness with four being the number four okay that's easy for all mindfulness on twitter well andy it has been great having you with us thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me really it's a pleasure talking to you (laughs) (laughs) thanks andy keep up the great work you're doing this is fantastic thank you thanks a lot bruce yeah you're welcome bye now all right bye Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest name or episode number into the search bar. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen. Maybe it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever. Hit subscribe and share. Subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Subscribe and share, share, share. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.